Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. NFTs are floating in popularity. This is a technology that will forever change the way people interact. So it is happening whether you understand it and like it or not. This phenomenon is moving the digital You have now joined Jenny from the blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the Blockchain, and my co-host, Michael Keen. Today is actually the first um, episode in our educational series. So we're going to strive to do you know, one to two episodes a month based around Web3 security. We realize how important that is. You know, We've been doing a lot of recap episodes on what happens in the week, interviews. And so you know, now we really want to start educating and bringing more uh, educational content to you guys. And this has been highly requested as well. Um, And also our our special guest for today, Simona, um, comes highly recommended. A lot of people that I really respect in the space have recommended her. Um, And she's also been in cybersecurity for the past 16 years. So um, Simona, welcome to the show. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Yes, that that is a a good um starting of the program uh, of this project so let's get started i think is a good yes. subject for the training yeah yeah for sure and and i just kind of wanted to start with um hearing a little bit about your background um in in cybersecurity yeah so i'm a cybersecurity expert i have 16 years of experience in cybersecurity uh, I started after my master's degree. I took a master's degree in theoretical astrophysics, so completely different subject. Mm. However, I did a little bit of research uh, in uh, cosmology, and then I didn't like the environment, the research environment, for different reasons, <laughs> for values and stuff. And the second um, biggest passion I had was uh, technology, and so I decided to study a technology. I moved to London in UK, and the first love was security, networking and security, so this type of technology. And so since the beginning, uh, I love to um, fight cybercrime, to understand how cybercrime works. And the last 11 years, I was head of cybersecurity for a big online payment company, a worldwide distributed big telco that was investing into a new technology. I know crypto since 2011. Uh, And so I had this big team. We were fighting cybercrime all day, every day. But in 2020, during the pandemic, the amount of work was so crazy that I had to work 20 hours a day. There was no holiday. It was always on. So I decided to, to, to take a one-year sabbatical and decide what to do with my life. And because art is another big passion of mine, I decided to join the NFT space because I knew crypto uh, from my daily job. Uh, I love art and I thought the combination of the two was perfect. And I joined the, the NFT community. However, first day, March 2021, um, I saw so many 
very nice people and artists and collectors to get scanned with very basic uh, issues that for me was like nothing and it was very simple to to understand and so I started to help all these people for free (laughs) everyone in the community was coming to me asking I was helping understanding how to recover NFT accounts on platforms and try to overcome the gap uh, that is currently open between the artists and the platforms. They don't support enough, I think, uh, on that field. And and then in um, I had a big collector in August last year. And I'm very grat- grateful because he suggested to me uh, Usually I I used to document everything I was working on uh, for work. And so I did the same for the NFT space. So every time someone was coming to me asking for help, I was documenting documenting everything that I was doing. And so I had all these um, examples of scams and how to recover. And he suggested to me to write it down for everyone to, to get access to. And that is how I um, draft a book on OpenSea about NFT, uh, cybersecurity for NFT artists and collectors. And I collected every information I, I, I can give uh, as an introduction for people that don't know anything about cybersecurity. And I created this guide, is 110 pages. And together with that, I also give a service token so that if someone has the book, they can come to me talk about whatever they they don't still don't have clear about security and NFTs and I help people in this way. Since March last year, I've been helping more than 500 artists and collectors. Mm. And sometimes uh, is really um, is really uh, something that I struggle with. It, many people really lose everything and they are for very uh, poor countries where even the first means for them means three months of work. So I try to help them as much as I can. And um, and this is what I've been doing for the last um, for the last past year. At the same time, I also create art. But that is a different mm. topic. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I actually bought your uh, NFT security guide um that you had put together which wow 110 pages i mean you know i'm just barely starting to tackle it but we'll definitely have to link it in the show notes for anybody who wants to buy it you know sometimes you don't value what you don't pay for and you know this this one hour episode is just kind of going to be a glimpse of that i guess um but yes 0.07 you know pretty affordable in my opinion and a lot of really great information in there so yeah you guys should definitely check it out um but I'm kind of curious, why is just kind of my first question here, and then I know we wanted to kind of get into some of the current events uh, uh, happening and hacks and scams, um, but why is Web3 security so important? And 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 why is it kind of like harder and just more complicated than Web2 security? Um, and, and why do you have to be extra cautious in, in Web3 versus Web2? I don't think that is more difficult. It's just the target has changed. While in the, in the Web 2 and the traditional uh, online uh, world, let's say, um, the target were the corporates and the company. And the company usually had 
million of dollars to spend in security. So they were protecting their uh, infrastructure through um, large, uh, let's say, security tools, uh, important security tools. Uh, with the Web3 and the, and the um, blockchain uh, introduction uh, to the uh, ecosystem, the, tar- the target is becoming the single user because every in this in this world in the Web3 world, the single user becomes his own bank. With the decentralization of the system, you also have more responsibility on the single person. And if the single user doesn't have any knowledge at all about the attacks that have been there for many, many years since the beginning of the internet. They have no idea of what was going on because the corporate were filtering that layer. They find themselves in, a, in some difficult situation just because they don't have enough knowledge about it. But usually it's very simple stuff that you need to understand to, to be safe. It's not that difficult. Yep. You made some really good points there. And even to add on to that, one of the, the other differences between Web 2 and Web 3, if if you did get hacked in Web 2 and it was your credit card that got stolen, you get the money back. You know, you charge it back, the credit card, they take care of it. Yes. And, and Web 3, that is not the same. So you, like you said, and the point you made about being your own bank, that's that's really true. Like you have to take care of your own stuff. There's no recourse. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's the main difference. Um, now we need to be a little bit more grown up, <laughs> let's say, from yeah. that point of view. Yeah. And thank you, thank you so much for being here. This is really cool. I'm really excited about it. Our listeners know that Jennifer and I kind of talk about security a lot, and I'm really excited to have you. It's a pleasure. It's great to hear your, your whole story. And I, st- I can't get over the theoretical astrophysics. I keep uh, <laughs> thinking about that. So we'll uh, maybe thank get into you. that later. <laughs> yeah. But good stuff. So uh, go ahead, Jennifer. I saw you unmuted. Oh, yeah. I I was just going to say really quick, because you had mentioned like, um, you know, it's not hard. It's just there's just kind of more learning to do. Um, And I'm just curious, what are kind of some best security practices that people should be mindful of? Uh, specifically for web uh, web three, but in general for the internet uh, environment, th- uh, there are two main factors, two main vectors of attacks. That is in general on the entire internet, and then we go a little bit in the specific case of the uh, web three um, situation. Uh, one is social engineering, and the second one is exploitation of vulnerabilities. So social engineering covers between 70 and 90% of every single attack on the internet, everything. So, and how it works, very simple. It triggers the weakest link in the system. It's not the technology, it's the human mind. So it, uh, what it is exploiting is our humans aspects, like our triggers uh, could be FOMO if you are a collector or if you are an artist, they can, it could be the willingness to be seen. And so if someone comes to you and and they say to you, I love your art, I love what you do, you immediately um, open up. And sometimes uh, that bring them to exploit you so that they will convince you to do actions that you would normally not do. So that is the the main vector. The second one is exploitation of vulnerability. So you use software on every single device you own, even the smart fridge or the smart TV. If there is software, there is a way to hack it. 
<laughs> that is uh, always the case. So uh, what is going on uh, um, since uh, the beginning of this type of technology is that you have uh, ethical hackers and you have evil ones. Uh, and they both are looking for vulnerabilities in the software all the time. As soon as an ethical hacker find a vulnerability, they will publicly um, they will publicly say, and there is a, a database where all this information is stored, so that corporates and company and organization that produce the software they will be able to create patches, security patches and updates. If an evil hacker will find it, they will not tell the public, they will share among them. And usually criminals are very cooperative among them and they will try to find a way to exploit it without know, uh, the public knowing. And we have seen a lot of these cases um, in the recent years, but since the beginning. And so what is important uh, in this situation is uh, to always keep all the system up to date to the latest version possible for every single piece of software that you use. And in specific for Web3, uh, if, you, if you are in the NFT world or crypto in general, you have to use one device for specific for that. So you, you don't need to have your wallet uh, spread across 10 different devices because the target area become more difficult to manage because you have to keep everything up to date. You don't need to install pirate software on that device. You need to be careful with uh, messages that you receive. You need to double check every single message to see if that person is really what they think they say they are. And if they are, there are not phishing accounts on there. So it becomes more difficult to manage if you have too many devices. So my suggestion for Web3 is keep your target area reduced as much as possible. Uh, don't use a mobile phone uh, to, to mint or to, to buy crypto in general is much more vulnerable. Use always an antivirus up to date to the latest version, possibly in the proactive mode so that uh, when you navigate, when you, go to a, uh, when you open your browser, it will automatically check that you are on a good website and so, and keep every single piece of software up to date to the latest version. This is in general on the environment that you are using. Uh, the second biggest uh, advice uh, is to um, have a, a strategy, a wallet strategy. People don't think about that. They come to the space, they are very enthusiastic about coming into the space and they just create the wallet on MetaMask. That is the one of is good for what is meant to be, but is not the best way to manage your uh, identity if you are an artist, your identity wallet, or your vault, because it's a hot wallet, it's exposed to the internet, and so it's more vulnerable than an hardware wallet. So my suggestion is to have a strategy. A strategy means that you need to understand what you want to do in the in the crypto world. If you are an artist, for example you would like to have your identity wallet, the one that you use for minting, secure. Because if you lose that, you don't lose only NFTs and money, you lose your identity and platforms like OpenSea, Foundation, SuperRare, 
they use your wallet ID as identity. So you, real quick on that, do you lose your royalties yeah. also? Because that's the wild, I guess, where the royalties, the future royalties will come. It depends on the platform. On OpenSea, okay. you don't because on OpenSea, very simply, you go to your collection, you change the payout wallet to the uh, secondary uh, wallet that you have. Mm-hmm. But on Foundation and SuperRare, you lose your your royalties. Mm. So that's a big problem. Yeah. So that that is a big loss for an artist. So have that wallet uh, uh, managed on an hardware wallet. Which hardware wallet? People say. They ask me all the time this thing. In my book, I explain how, how to choose the hardware wallet that is right for you because there are different uh, different features that could be useful for you. However, the two main ven- vendors at the moment are Ledger and Trezors, and Trezor. Uh, they are both um, fairly secure. And, um, and so it's definitely much, much better to have one one of those two hardware wallets than having MetaMask for minting. If you are a collector, and and sometimes, many times, artists are also collectors, um, you also buy NFTs from other artists, from projects, uh, you flip NFTs, you go to free minting website. In that case, you should have uh, your hot wallet. So it could be MetaMask, it could be also another hardware wallet, could be whatever you, you think it, it, it is good for you, but need to be different from the minting wallet. Use that for only for everything that you can lose. So it becomes your, some, some people call it the burner wallet. It's the wallet that uh, can be scammed and you don't go into big trouble. And these two wallets, the identity and the burner wallet, have the feature that they will allow interaction with smart contracts. So you need to enable the blind signing feature, for example, on Ledger to do that. That is a a little bit risky because smart contracts can be vulnerable. And if you sign for a permission on a smart contract that is vulnerable or simply use you sign a permission even if the smart contract behind it is not vulnerable you can give a per, um, you can allow the scammer to take maybe all your nfts so uh, this uh, this is not the safest way but is good anyway to have another wallet for your identity even if your identity needs to have interaction with smart contracts and we come to the third layer, that is your vault. Your vault is the hardware wallet, not anything else, that will never have the blind signing enabled and will never interact with smart contracts. How do you use that? You use that for sending valuables uh, crypto, so Ethereum, Bitcoin, any, any crypto that you have that you want to store and to send very valuable NFTs that you don't want to sell. So you send in all these valuable uh, valuables, let's say. When it's time to, uh, to send them out, to sell them or to spend them, you take the valuables and you send them back to the other wallet and then you list the NFT on the platform and you do everything else. But this vault should never have the blind signing enabled, never interact with smart contracts. 
this is a generic strategy. It's good, but it depends on every single person as a different uh, a different history and a different thing that we want to do on the blockchain. So it depends on uh, the person by person. So I usually help many of them to understand, and we have one-on-one session to understand what is better in their specific situation and could be different for everyone. But in general, this is my, yeah. Mm. No, it's good. It's good. I have a couple questions about that. So one of them, the the blind signing, that's uh, default is off. And yes. you have to turn it on, right? So that's default off. Now, another question I have is, so I have a board ape and a cool cat and a couple of things like that in my vault stored away. But sometimes I need to connect the wallet with my board ape to claim something or to activate. What do you suggest in that case? This is a big problem right now in the space. And yeah. many are asking me this question. Sure. And um, the, best, the best solution is the moment you have to connect you move the, uh, the NFT to the identity wallet or to the middle, let's say middle security wallet. Mm-hmm. You log in, you prove that you have it, and then you move it back to the vault. You okay. have to pay gas. Yeah. So that's yeah. the downside. Yeah. But, uh, this is currently uh, one of the best way to do it. However, I know that there are tools that have been developed right now that will allow you to not move it and to prove right. that your identity. Yeah. However, yeah. if you want to stay anonymous, uh, you need to you need to compromise on that. So there is always a compromisation between be yeah. staying anonymous and having uh, your NFT recognized. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the best way. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. No, that's a tough one for sure. And then also, like, I hope we can do something like that because there was a there was a claim this past week with Board Ape, but I have my my vault, you know, locked up somewhere and I'm not with it. So I couldn't claim. Huh, that's a problem. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a problem. Yeah. But, uh, and yeah. Uh, one yeah. last uh, suggestion uh, so mm-hmm. that we can, we can uh, complete the question uh, about what to do in web three specifically. Uh, the third, uh, the third suggestion Yeah is to have always a double factor of authentication on every single account that you use. And in the specific case, all the accounts that you use in the NFT world and crypto world, at least two factor. Uh, If you notice when you log in on an exchange, you have more than two. That's because the exchange, they have a lot of experience in cybersecurity. They know that sometimes two is not enough and they have three. But uh, in our, at the moment, uh, in our Web3 environment, NFT and crypto, as we uh, we see it right now, definitely used to at least to, to, uh, to log in on Twitter, to log in on anything that uh, you use for uh, communicating in the, in the space. Discord is also mandatory, even if, uh, that is one of the cases where it is not enough if you are not smart and you don't understand how the hacking works in the in the Discord system. Yep. So at least two is very, very important to have. And I've seen uh, in the last day, <laughs> but uh, in the last couple of weeks, it's becoming a thing 
uh, talking about uh, an hardware uh, an hardware key for double factor authentication like the one that your bank gives you for example or if you work in a co in a corporate is mandatory to have that type of uh, two factor of authentication that is like a usb key that you use uh, to to create this code uh, that is a step forward because in my experience, uh, people in the NFT world, they don't have a second factor of authentication. So it would be good even to have a um, Google Authenticator as a start point and to not keep the backup codes uh, on your email. <laughs> that would be good if your email is not protected by, by a two-factor of authentication or keep it on your, uh, on your phone or digitally, let's say, uh, in a digital format. And last suggestion uh, is about seed phrase. Uh, most people get into scams where they lose the seed phrase. And if you lose the seed phrase, you lose completely access to your wallet, uh, complete access, because it's like uh, what you own when you own a wallet is the private key generated by the seed phrase. If, if someone else has that, they will be able to go to your uh, wallet and take out everything they want. So... Um, uh, never save the digital, the, sorry, the, the seed phrase in a digital format, never. And with that, I mean, no photo, no SMS, uh, no uh, WhatsApp, uh, emails, not even one password. If you use a corporate laptop, don't use it for your crypto, your personal crypto wallet, because a corporate laptop can be managed by administrator that they can sometimes see everything that you do and they can have access to everything they want on your laptop. So you don't want to, to put your valuable money in a, in a system shared with your corporate. You don't know who is looking. I know by experience, I was doing that on the other side, but it was a safety measure to make sure that people were not scammed from inside the company. But uh, you don't. You never know uh, who who is your administrator, and they could be hacked themselves. So never use a corporate laptop. In my suggestion, my my big suggestion is, and never save your seed phrase digitally in any form, not even a, a vault, not even a password vault. That is not safe. Don't backup your seed phrase on iCloud or Google Cloud or any cloud, any digital format. This is really, really important. And if anybody has done that in the past, even if they created their wallet a year ago and have gotten rid of it, do you suggest like abandoning that wallet and starting fresh? Uh, it depends on the, um, it depends on the effort. Uh, I have a lot of cases of people that they are not able to leave their wallet. Uh, they produced a lot of art on that. You lose mm -hmm. uh, the history of what you have done. So you need to understand uh, it's still a risk. Do you want yeah. to accept the risk or not? You, but you need to understand the risk. Once you know the, the level of the risk that you are accepting, you will make better choices. But... Uh, I help people to understand that and to make sure that when they decide what to do, they know exactly what they are going through. Mm -hmm. so Where's the best place to, yeah. 
Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, where is the best place to store your seed phrase or how to store your seed phrase? Uh, Seed phrase should be on physical medium. Uh, Physical medium, you you can start from paper. However, paper, if you you have water or fire, will be lost. So it's just a starting point. Then it should go on metal. Metal is uh, fire resistant. And if there is a earthquake, however, metal can be lost. So uh, what you, the next step is to, is to distribute your metal plates in different locations. Uh, everything, all these strategies, uh, it, they depend on the amount of money and what is the value for you specifically. If I take a, uh, an artist or a collector from... Uh, from Kenya, and they have uh, two Ethereum for them. That is really a lot of money. So they want to be very safe. But if I take a US, a New York collector, two Ethereum could be nothing. So paper is enough. It depends on the value that your uh, wallet is storing for you. And they sell special metal plates for that, right? Like you put them on that little, you put yeah, them on the Have one. We can, maybe we can link it one? in the show oh, notes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, nice. nice. Um, I'll give Andy the link to that. Um, So I wanted to ask you a question from our community. We have a few community questions um, and that they wanted to know. So the first one here is someone had said, I'd like to know about immediate steps to take after you get scammed slash hacked to assess the type of hack to which you fell victim and how to minimize the damage, if at all possible. That is a really good question. It takes one day to answer, <laughs> but I will, uh, I will uh, be very. Uh, I will do a very uh, quick uh, summary, and then you can find all the different types of scam in the book uh, and and understand what I'm saying from there. But um, there are mainly two different types of compromisation. Uh, three, let's say three. Yeah, uh, the, uh, let's start from the less um, uh, the less critical one. The less critical one is uh, social engineering attack. So you get someone into your DMs or on Twitter, they will tag you and they will say and they will uh, uh, contact you, and they will trick you to. Uh, and so you are you think you are talking to someone that you know. Reality is you are not talking to to that person, and they will ask you to send money. Uh, so you take the initiative to send them the money or to send them the NFT. Like uh, they will trick you to exchange NFT. They will send you a link to a fake exchange platform. They will take the NFT. They will never get you the money back. Or they will put a phishing website uh, link into a tweet. They tag you and you go there. You think you are minting the latest new beautiful collection that you love, but you are just sending them the money. That was very common a few months ago. uh, And there was a network of um, criminal doing that all linked together because I do a lot of investigation. I managed to create this web of wallets to see uh, how they work. And it was a, a very big network of criminal using this type of, uh, let's say, fake website. But this is not big, a big risk. You just lost your money. And, but it, the wallet is not really compromised. And this is the le- entry level, let's say. In that case, you just feel vulnerable because you feel stupid. Even if, if 
even if that happened, never feel stupid because you are dealing with professionals. On the other side, you have professionals that have been doing that for many years. So don't feel stupid if that happened. Uh, the second level is what is happening right now. We have so many right now. And um, what is happening is that uh, you think you are connecting to a website. Let's take the pre-mint um, uh, hack uh, on Sunday. What happened is uh, they hacked the website and they got um, control of that connect your wallet button, the web three. Uh, a little button on the on the web two website, uh, and when you connect your wallet, what happens is that you get uh, something to sign in your wallet, and that could be on MetaMask or could be on Ledger. Uh, if you get that message, uh, there are two different cases. One case is that is saying to you that you are approving uh, for that specific wallet that will be the spender, to take everything that you own on a specific smart contract. That smart contract could be World of Women, could be Bored Ape Yacht Club. You are giving permission to spend your NFT to a specific wallet, the scammer wallet. You can read the message and understand that that is the case, but many people don't, don't read completely the message. This is one of the cases. But there are also other cases where the message is not humanly readable because they are using legacy uh, language. In that case, you sign it by blindly, really blindly. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. You are giving permission for the scammer to spend your NFT. Uh, this is really, really common right now because there is a script that they are sharing among them. Uh, all these groups uh, that uh, is uh, looking into your wallet immediately understand your top 10 NFT collectible that you own. They will immediately automatically through the script send you the request to sign. You sign it, you lose the NFTs. And this is extremely common and is in many different they are very creative, <laughs> these criminals. They, uh, they can tweet um, about a, a project and tag you. Uh, you go to the website, you connect the wallet and is uh, vulnerable to that. Or it could be like they hack a big website like PreMint on Sunday. Uh, so they, they have all this type of uh, problem. This is a second level of vulnerability. And... Um, there is a solution. Your wallet is not lost because what you can do, uh, you can go, uh, many people talk about revoke.cash. Also, etherscan.io has a tool to do that. I personally suggest to use etherscan because I trust them. <laughs> I trust Ethereum. Uh, I don't know exactly uh, who is behind uh, revoke.cash, but they could be good. They, I de definitely, they can be good. Uh, but um, any tool that you think is uh, safe enough, you go there and you can revoke those permissions. Uh, on uh, on either scan, it's very simple. You go to the menu at the top, you go to uh, more. Under tools, you have token approval. You go to the approval to, uh, sorry, uh, token approval checker. You uh, paste your wallet ID. And it will show you all the permissions on your wallet. You have three different tabs. You have ERC20, 721, 1155. And uh, what you are looking for 
is every permission that uh, it has under spender unlimited amount and the wallet ID, not a platform smart contract. Because if you use OpenSea, for example, you list on OpenSea, you have to give permission to OpenSea smart contract to, to list for you the, the NFT. Same thing on foundation, looks rare, or the platform in general. But if you see uh, a specific smart contract, could be World of Women, could be um, anything um, in the NFT space with a spender that is a wallet ID uh, of someone that you don't know, that is uh, something that you should revoke immediately. And let's say that um, there are some cases that people that I've been helping lately, uh, they don't know about this. So they go through all the struggle and then they manage to recover their stolen NFT. But when the NFT comes back to the wallet, the hacker, the, the criminal will take it again because they never revoked the permission. So uh, once you, uh, you see that, you simply connect your wallet to the uh, to Etherscan and you click on revoke. You have to pay gas to revoke, but at that point, your wallet is safe again. So it's not compromised and it's not compromised. And then we have the third and last level is you lose your private key or your seed phrase. I don't know, people don't know the difference between the two. Seed phrase is one. And from one seed phrase, you can produce uh, as many wallets as you want. As many um, encryption keys, a, a couple of encryption of, of keys that are private and public keys. So uh, the public key is the wallet ID, the one that you give to people to send you money. The private key is what you store uh, in your wallet. So in your wallet, you have only the key, not NFTs, not crypto. You own the key in your wallet. That key is a very long string of numbers and letters. And you need to think about the key like a real key that allow you to go on the blockchain in your uh, uh, dedicated safe, that safe with your wallet ID on it. And with that key, you can go there, open the safe, take the money out, close it again, and and you, you did the transaction. You need to imagine this. So that key, you have to, to keep it safe as much as possible because anyone with that key can go to your vault and take whatever they want. So one seed phrase produces multiple, a couple of uh, private and public key, where the private key is that string of numbers that you need to keep safe. The public is the wallet ID. People have noticed and they ask me all the time, why on MetaMask or Ledger I can create accounts? Uh, it's called account. The account is simply a couple of keys, private and public. One seed phrase through an algorithm will be able to generate all of this. So you can lose one private key or you can lose the seed phrase. If you lose the private key, you lose access to that specific wallet associated with that private key. If you lose the seed phrase, you lose every account created with that seed phrase. So never store those uh, for, val for very valuable wallet in a digital format. Never share with anyone unless you have a strategy. Let's say people say, I want to have a plan so that if something happened to me, 
I have a very um, uh, close person that will know how to uh, take the money from my wallet. That is a different case. But you never share that information with public, never with people that, that you know, unless it, this is the case. If you lose that, and that could be very easily lost through malware, you simply lost your everything in that wallet. Um, malware could be also not recognized by the common anti antivirus software because uh, sometimes, many times, most of the times in the United States, it comes in a format that is not really a virus. What they send to you when they send you an X file to, to click on it, that is inside the zip file, that has a very long name, so you don't see the extension, they have all these tricks. What they are really sent to you is a remote control software so that they can get access to your laptop or to your device uh, and uh, check your hard disk and looking for seed phrases and passwords and all this stuff. So if your seed phrase is uh, saved uh, digitally on the laptop, uh, they will see it. They will copy everything that is on your hard disk, send it back to them, and they will take a little bit of time to look for it if it's difficult, but they will find it. They have software to recognize seed phrases. So that's the that was extremely common last year, is still very common, and it comes also um, with pirate software or cracks. You know that people want, don't want to pay for licenses. Uh, they pay with the <laughs> with the your seed phrases if they do that. So never use the pirate software on a, on a device where you have also a wallet. And going back to the uh, the, ETH, the the EtherScan token approval. So I look at mine, and I actually have I have a pretty lot of them that I am connected to. Um, do you suggest disconnecting everything? Like under the ERC seven twenty one, it's a lot of the projects that I've minted or gone to their website to see if I'm whitelisted and things like that. Am I vulnerable there, do you think? And I should revoke it depends. Uh, it depends on, on who the spender is. Uh, the most important column there is the spender. If the spender is uh, a trusted platform uh, and uh, if you still have that NFT and still you use that permission, you don't have the possibility to revoke it from there. For example, if you have an NFT listed on, uh, on OpenSea, uh, you, you are not able to revoke that permission from Etherscan because OpenSea has the NFT listed for you. So you will okay. pay gas and the permission will stay. And okay. so you lost your money. So don't do mm. that. But if you have, uh, for example, a, a, a website, a smart contract created for a, for a specific project for a whitelisting or stuff like that, and you don't use it anymore, I suggest uh, for you to uh, revoke it because if they, they, your um, platform is a compromise, you get involved. So mm. uh, keep an eye, uh, at least once a week, uh, you should uh, have a look, take a look and, and see what you can revoke, decide yeah. what you don't like it there. And if you, for example, you uh, you use the um, there are many that you stake uh, they stake their NFT or their crypto mm -hmm. on uh, on platform uh, that is mandatory you have to have that permission uh, otherwise you okay. are not able to do it 
And some people ask me, okay, how can I can I be safe in that case? If you do this type of financial, let's say, move, you can have a different wallet. You know that you can create as many wallets as you want, even on Ledger, just dedicate a different wallet for that. And okay. it doesn't cost anything. So it's a good idea. So um, it depends on the spender. And, the, um, and the, uh, if you go to a ERC-20, you will see unlimited. Unlimited is dangerous if uh, you don't know the spender. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, something no, I, see, I see some that are unlimited. Yep. Yeah, I see yeah. that. For sure. Those are the ones. So like those are like the coin airdrops and things like that. Yep. Yeah. If you don't use them, it's not necessary anymore. You simply revoke them and you are safe. Okay. Next time you you have to reapprove it in the future, but it's mm-hmm. less risky. Okay. And then so multiple accounts. Let's start with MetaMask if you don't mind. So I have my MetaMask but I only have one wallet. So I have one seed phrase, one public key, one private key. Do you want me to tell you my uh, seed phrase right now? Of course. <laughs> no, just, okay. So, um, so if I want to go, so I go to, let's see, create account. Yes. And then I'll add a second one. Yes. And, and then if I go to a new computer, I input my seed phrase and I, both of them will come up. Yes. Okay. And I can use that one is safe to use as a burner, the extra one? Yes, definitely. So, you can. So you, you send a little bit of ETH over there. Yes. That's, yeah. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Nice. Um, and there is one other, uh, because we are on topic and I know what yeah. people are asking me all the time. One yeah. little uh, uh, thing to add. People are worried that if they use um, a ledger, they are not able to log in easily on uh, OpenSea and all the platforms. Mm-hmm. But if you look on under MetaMask, you have uh, import hardware wallet, connect hardware wallet under yep. the settings. Okay, that is a very useful thing. And it's not that risky because when you do that, uh, you will import your existing ledger or treasure. There are other vendors now supported, but you are not importing the keys. You are not importing seed phrase or anything secret. You are only saying to your ledger that they are able to use MetaMask as an empty shell to talk to the internet. It's like the communication tool that they are going to use. So that is a, a still safe, is not uh, recommended for a vault because the vault we said, we said it needs to be offline, mm-hmm. but for your identity wallet and the wallet that you use for um, uh, listing and important NFTs, that is still safe enough. It's good enough. It's not cool. a problem. Mm-hmm. So you kind of answered a lot of um, the community questions just through, you know, what were you, you were saying with the last question. But um, one thing which I've actually heard this multiple times from people because people get really scared about this um, is so somebody asked, what makes the airdropped NFTs in the hidden folder on OpenSea sometimes so dangerous? Could a scammer have sent you a malicious software by airdropping an NFT? Okay, this is an interesting question. It comes up all the time. There are different types of airdrops. Uh, they go to the hidden folder because OpenSea, after the first few hundreds of these airdrops or thousands of these airdrops, they decided that if an airdrop comes from Polygon, uh, 
it needs to go first in the hidden folder and then the user will decide. If it comes from Ethereum, that is not the case. So be careful with the Ethereum airdrops because lately I've seen an increase in that. And they do that because they are not hidden. They, they invest a little bit of money, but they, they will come back with a bigger amount of stolen Ethereum. So be careful with the Ethereum airdrops, uh, but how it works. Majority of those airdrops are only bad marketing. There is nothing to, to worry about. And um, uh, with the, I've seen cases like um, a phishing, uh, a clone NFT uh, collectible uh, that are airdropping their NFT into at least 3,000 users. And they do that because when then they try to uh, list the NFTs, like they are faking it. They are making sure that people, when they go to their collection, they see 3,000 users, owners, and they think it's legit. But <laughs> if you look at the volume, mm. usually it's very low. So it's not really a good way to do that. So even as a scamming tool, is really bad because people should be able to see that. Unfortunately, not all the time, but... Uh, is not that successful as a tool. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was very common um, September last year. Uh, they started to use these tools and it was really common. Uh, but then there is um, the second type that is more dangerous. It's still very common right now. And you get this NFT, uh, is free for you to, to use. And uh, in the description, they will tell you that uh, with that NFT, uh, you are entitled to a claim for another free NFT or for free money, free, uh, free crypto. You just only need to connect your wallet to a website. At that point, what we said already is true. So you connect the wallet and you can have two things. You can have, they can ask you for your seed phrase. This was common last year. They can um, they can send you uh, an approval request for permission to steal your NFTs. Uh, they can do the usual stuff that we already discussed. So this is this is very uh, this is this could be dangerous if you proceed with what they tell you to do. If you notice, this is typical social engineering. They are using a psychological trigger. You are grateful because you got the free NFT. And uh, they have more for you, so they use the FOMO trigger. And this has, has been working. Now has been replaced by a more uh, successful tool uh, that is free minting. The free minting uh, era has started. It's very similar, a little bit different because everyone now is talking about the free minting of big collection uh, after the goblins and all these uh, big collectible but it's a similar concept. So you connect your, uh, your wallet to a free minting website and you get the same type of risks. Uh, and then there is a third one. This is really critical, but is also not common at all. I've seen two cases in the entire year and also has been solved um, almost immediately by OpenSea. Uh, by banning the, uh, that type of uh, problem. And how it works is that you receive this airdrop. Uh, you want to look at it and you click on that NFT to expand the image, to see the image uh, 
in the big screen. But as soon as you click on it, you get a message in MetaMask to sign. Okay, uh, this, is, this is unusual. You never get a message to sign to just look at an NFT. So as soon as you get something that is unusual, you have to listen to your gut feeling and don't believe that that, that is a good thing. It's almost never legit. So if you get that message, uh, the case that I've seen is you get this message and uh, it's coming from something that is similar to, to uh, OpenSea, but it's not OpenSea, it's a storage link to, to something uh, that uh, really what he's doing is just taking uh, asking you to take uh, NFT from your wallet or uh, the, the usual the usual stuff. So it, there is a script inside the image, is a JavaScript code that will do that and will trigger that MetaMask message. If you sign it, you lose uh, the, the um, valuables from your wallet. But this is not common at all. And people, after that, everyone is saying, don't uh, click, don't click on the NFT. But it's very, very difficult to, to create as a, as a scammer. And uh, I've seen only one, once or twi twice in the entire year. So it's not that common. And uh, people say they can drain your wallet. You always have to take some action before someone can drain your wallet. It does nothing drain, drains your wallet without you approving for them to drain your wallet. That's the good thing. And it's not possible. And if it would be possible, I think uh, the Ethereum would be dead. The Ethereum blockchain. No one uh -oh. can take your private keys without you giving them the private keys somehow. Knowing it or not knowing it, but... Is your action that creates the problem, not the the NFT itself? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. A lot of times, it's just a momentary lapse of reason where uh, you know something clicks. You know, going back to Twitter the other day, I saw there's a project. It's I think it's Izu. It's the it's by the Psychedelics Anonymous people, and somebody made a tweet that looked like them, and <clears throat> excuse me, and they had like. 80,000 followers. So it was some kind of whatever purchased account. It looked legit to go. And I actually went to the website and I was like, no, 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 no. You know, and then I went back and looked and it really wasn't them. Like uh, yeah. you have to be really careful. Twitter. I mean, we're recording now on uh, July 20th. And just last night, our friend Zeneca was hacked. And a lot of this has happened. It happened to people during VCon where they will lose their Twitter and somebody will post as a legit account and say, hey, you know, go ch check on this. I'm giving out something for free, whatever it is. A lot of times the comments are turned off. Um, I think what a lot of people need to remember is if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And your stuff and your wallets are so important that you really do. It's You don't want to rush, click through something because anything could happen there. Uh, Zeneca, I don't know if you're ultra familiar with what happened last night, but he said that he did have two-factor authentication and he wasn't sure how he got hacked. And he even suggested that it might be somebody inside at Twitter that got him in there. I don't know. What is, what's your take on how that might go down? Or, or, or Yeah, I'll like? tell you uh, by experience. So I'm not talking about specific people or services. Okay, I'm talking in general. In general, platforms are always under attack. 
and um, platforms uh, that we use every day, social media in particular, and data leak is very common, and vulnerability inside the platforms as well. So uh, if a platform has been hacked somehow, uh, not even completely, just a part of it, it could be uh, that um, a, a second factor of authentication can be bypassed uh, by the scammer. So the scammer get access to the platform, to the system, and they are able to uh, to go to account uh, without the, uh, the double factor of authentication. That is a possibility. So inside job doesn't mean inside Twitter. It could be a hacker that has managed to uh, to get inside. That is a possibility, but everything need, needs to be proved before before saying that was the case. So is a possibility every single platform, every company that has an internet, uh, an interface on the internet is vulnerable to attacks. So, and if some some of these company, they will come to you and say, we have never been hacked, run away because it's impossible. Every company has been hacked at least once. So data leak is very, very common. This is one, one point. The second point is, uh, the, if you have your double factor of authentication app on a mobile phone, like mm, many of us have, uh, that mobile phone has not been patched to the latest security patches. Uh, it could be vulnerable and could be, and the double factor of authentication can be hacked. Uh, this was uh, there is a case, thing, in very big case about Android in uh, 2020 where a Google authenticator could be hacked because Android was vulnerable, very vulnerable to an attack. It happened to iPhone. Uh, there, were, there were some very critical vulnerabilities last year on iPhone. Uh, not many people talked about uh, that issue, but I saw a huge increase of uh, MetaMask hacking from iPhone. Uh, and, and then they said, yes, we had a vulnerability and now we patched it afterwards, they said that. And so um, the software that we use is vulnerable, as we said. So it could be that where you, you have your double factor of authentication is not the latest version, or there is a vulnerability still unknown that an exploiter is using, uh, that an evil criminal is using to do that. That is a possibility. So if you are really in that, it's not that common. Uh, people usually don't use double factor of authentication. That is the main problem. 99% of the issues would be solved with two factor on every mm -hmm. service, or they use it only on one and not the other. Like email, no, I don't use it, but I use it on Twitter. And then they get hacked in the email and email is the, the way that they get the, the Twitter account stolen because they store their backup codes in the email. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that many times. So that is also an issue where you store your backup codes. If they are accessible and someone hack into your system very easily with a backdoor or remote control system or you backup your data somewhere that is not safe or that has been hacked, uh, you are losing the backup codes for your double factor of authentication system. And so you lose uh, also the account. However, uh, you can recover you can recover your uh, your Twitter account uh, quite easily because Twitter is very good at supporting users that lost uh, the accounts usually. You need to go exactly in the uh, specific channel 
to log a support ticket for cybersecurity issues. But in my experience, they reply quite mm, fast. So you get control back uh, in less than a day. If that happened on Instagram or Facebook, uh, that is a bigger problem. In my experience, it takes a lot of effort. And uh, on Instagram, for example, they want you to have at least one picture of your face uh, public on, on Instagram so that they can recognize that it's you. Uh, when you log the ticket, but not many artists are using the, your identity on, uh, on Instagram. So that is a different case, more difficult to, to take control of. So uh, there are so many different uh, possibilities um, that could happen, uh, but uh, these are, I think, the main, uh, the main, the main problems that I've seen in the last uh, 16 years for social media accounts. Yeah. Wow. This is all such great information. Like I'm just tagging it all in and man, this is, this is such an incredible episode for people to listen to. Um, I also wanted to uh, quickly plug your Twitter as well. Make sure you guys are following her on Twitter. Um, Simone art online S I M O N A R T O N L I N E. Um, on Twitter. And yeah, this, this is just incredible. I have one last community question that I wanted to ask. I know we're at like an hour and I wanted to be respectful of your time. And then I'm sure Michael will have a last minute question as well. Um, but my last thing I wanted to get in here from the community was um, if I would like to let a smart contract get checked and approved not to be a wallet drainer or whatever else bad thing a smart contract could be, is there a place in Web3 where I could go? So you want to check the vulnerabilities inside the smart contracts? Yeah, I, yeah, I believe that's yeah. what they're asking. Okay. Um, consider that if the smart contract uh, has been built by a scammer, by a criminal with the intention to drain your your valuables usually is not verified. You know the green check that you see on Etherscan under under contract uh, usually is not verified. Is not public. If you see a contract that is not public, you can't access it and is has not been verified. That is already a big trigger <laughs> for you to say, okay, I'm not sure. I want to deal with someone that is hiding the code. However, there is a, a way to decode. The, the smart contract now on Etherscan, it was in beta version, now it's, it's okay. And you can still see it, but you need to have skills uh, to, to read the smart contract. So I don't know yet of a, a specific service that has, has been created for uh, verifying that. And that is very difficult to do because smart contracts could be very complex and having an automatic auditing tool for smart contracts is definitely not easy, not very simple to do. I don't, I don't think he is, uh, even if they do that, it can't be 100% or even 90% able to verify all the vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities in a smart contract usually needs to be checked uh, by, by an expert. So at the moment, um, my suggestion is only that if the smart contract is, has not been verified and is not public, that is a big alert for anyone that wants to deal with that. Thank you for that. Michael, do you have a, a last question here? 
Yeah, sure. Um, two quick ones, I guess. Uh, we're going to go off topic a tiny bit. So your your history as in a theoretical astrophysicist, are you keeping up with the James Webb telescope and all those images and stuff like of that? Of course. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Pretty neat. <laughs> It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, is that, a, that is a passion. Yeah, I, I yeah. love that. Yes. Cool. It, it's still the visible universe. Uh, I was more a cosmologist, a uh, cosmologist that was studying the origin of the universe. So mm. going back uh, in time where visible universe is not really visible and it was only theory, but seeing uh, images that we have never seen of our home is uh breathtaking yeah it's <laughs> pretty amazing for sure that's cool I, one day i'll pick your brain about all that stuff because that's really interesting yes too. and <laughs> then uh the final question is i usually ask this of all of our guests but uh what are a couple maybe projects or or artists that you really like just that you're like into that you're a fan of maybe you collect maybe you just like them is there anything you want to you know uh i love I love art in general, so one-to-one artist. Yeah. And um, Arkan is one of those artists that I love. Uh, and also Komachi is another upcoming mm. artist. Uh, they both have a lot of experience um, in the in the um, digital art since many, many years, I think 15, 20 years. But you can see the quality of their work is amazing. I really, I really love those two artists. And maybe I can mention this and yeah. <clears throat> it's a good place to, to say um, because I, I love uh, freedom of expression for artists and I love them to be safe and to be uh, in this space and enjoy the space instead of struggling. I'm uh, working with all these artists that I love and we have created a, a, a community together mm. where uh, it's called Angkor Dao. And what we do, uh, I personally help everyone that has issue with security in the NFT space to not get scammed. I help them recovering, but at the same time we share uh, our, let's say, philosophy in art and uh, why we are here and we we give a lot of uh, space to artists that have the same type of vision and philosophy in the space. And so I would like to mention that because I mentioned two of the members of that, uh, that specific group. A third, a third member is uh, Alain Clough. She's from UK and she's in fashion, a fashion designer artist. Uh, she was working for a brand, but she's really good with uh, watercolors. And mm. also I like the, her, her way of expressing art. And so these are the, the latest that I, <laughs> I can remember. Uh, and then there are a few photographers that I love. One is Jassi. Um, he's from India and I just collected one piece of him. Uh, he's amazing. <laughs> I really, uh, I don't know how he managed to take shots in that way. They are always in this specific mm -hmm. position or he, he managed to capture something that is uh, in, inimaginable to capture. <laughs> if you are a normal person, I don't know how he does it. So these are the main, are not bigger collectibles, I know, but uh, I'm more here for the art more than the financial aspect, let's say. Cool. I appreciate that. And where can we find the Encore Dow if we wanted to look at some of the artists and see what you guys are working on? 
Uh, we just uh, started it, and uh, there is a, a Twitter account right now, uh, mm-hmm. and it's called Anchor Dow. And uh, we just started. We are going to publish uh, information and artists in the in the group uh, in the next few weeks. So uh, stay tuned, <laughs> and you will see what we are going to to create awesome. together. Very cool. Well, it was such a pleasure to have you. I know this is really timely and like, you know, cybersecurity and Web3 security, wild security. It's all super, super important. We've had some issues hit home recently even. Um, so it's definitely good to, to hear all your perspective and you have so much information. If anybody has any follow-up questions or wants some more information on something, hit us up in the Discord or a Twitter DM and we'll get you the answer. And, uh, you know, once again, you know, we really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share. And it's a really, really great initiative that you are, you are taking and is really needed right now. So keep cool. up and thank you again for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Simona. Um, I also wanted to say, uh, I know I had mentioned this earlier, like, if you guys are serious about Web3 security, seriously um, get her NFT guide. I bought it like a week ago and um, maybe we can, you know, kind of get through it together and do different sections together, um, you know, as a whole podcast community. Um, but yeah, this has been, wow, such an amazing episode and a great kickoff, you know, to our educational series. Um, you know, we do a lot of news on what's happened and, and interviews of people storytelling and stuff but it's really nice to focus on the really important matters uh like web3 security and you're just like a fountain of knowledge um and it's just man i gotta listen back to this episode because there was just so much great information that you shared so yeah honestly simona thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show thank you jennifer thank you very much for buying the book and yes. as you know, now you have a one-to-one session with me where you can ask anything you want and decide Ooh. strategies and stuff. Oh, that's good utility. <laughs> oh, I like awesome. the utility. I didn't even know that, actually. Okay, wow. perfect. Uh, that's great. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody who listened. Really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, maybe write a review on, on this specific episode, too. And we will catch you in the next episode. Peace. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NF Ticket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Los. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace.